This is episode number 299 with Adi and Sophie Jaffe. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Dr. Adi Jaffe is a world-renowned specialist in mental health, addiction, and shame. Sophie Jaffe is a health and wellness expert who shares with her millions of followers how to live a life full of bliss and balance. Together, they are the power couple behind the Ignited podcast, the podcast that deals with relationships, with yourself, with your partner, with your family, your friends, money, body, beauty, and health. They provide honest information, powerful conversations, and useful tools so their audience can overcome challenges and transform their life. Their most popular episode is when they bared it all and told their own story of broken trust, shame, and infidelities. Hundreds of individuals and couples have shared with them how their honesty and radical transparency has given them the only semi-balance of hope in their own lives and relationships. They continue their work together and through Ignited with their mission to lower the divorce rate across the globe and help people live their most ignited lives. And in this incredibly honest conversation, we talk about their dramatic love story from cheating, shame, lies, guilt, and how they moved through it all, how to move past cheating and to be better than ever, the things that will harm your relationship, the brave and vulnerable thing that Adi did that changed the course of their relationship. This is really sweet. Why radical transparency and crystal clear communication can be more effective than any couple's therapy. How literally putting themselves in the other one's shoes deepened their relationship and understanding of each other and took their relationship to the next level. Why removing judgments and letting go of hurtful beliefs will help you connect with your partner. How to nurture your relationship so it can truly thrive how to keep love and spontaneity alive after so many years together, what to do if you discover that your partner has cheated on you, plus so much more. This conversation is incredible. It's deep, it's honest, it's real, and you guys are going to get so much out of it. And for everything that we mentioned, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 299. And before we get this party started, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it's a five-star review from Jules titled Bursting with Joy. And Jules says, I listened to your episode with Christina Carlson on my afternoon walk yesterday 
and I couldn't help but smile the entire length of it. I had to stop a few times and type in my goals on my phone. It's left me feeling powerful, joyful, energized, and so excited for my goals. Thank you for delivering another episode that makes my soul smile. Jules, thank you so much for that beautiful five-star review. I'm so grateful. And as a little thank you, I want to send you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. All you got to do is email hello at melissaambrosini.com with a screenshot of your review and we will send that over to you. And that goes for anyone. Anyone who has ever left me a review, please send me a screenshot of it so I can gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. And if you want to get my bursting with love guided meditation, all you have to do is leave a review on Amazon for Mastering Your Mean Girl or Open Wide or both and send me a screenshot and I will send that over to you as well. Just as a little thank you for taking the time to do that. I truly am so grateful to every single person who leaves a review for my podcast and my books because it helps spread the message. It helps it get out there even more. And I'm so grateful, truly so, so, so grateful. So thank you so much. And now without further ado, let's bring on this power couple, Adi and Sophie Jaffe. Beautiful people, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you both had for breakfast this morning? Superfood coffee, actually. That's the first thing I have for for breaking the fast. It's the first thing that I had. Adi walked in with the baby and handed me my superfood coffee. And it's just such a great way to start the day. It's so balanced. It has healthy fats and, you know, caffeine. And it has superfoods in it from my company, Philosophy. And, you know, a nut milk. It's really creamy and delicious and just gives me, like, the perfect boost and brings me to life kind of more slowly than just, like, shoving food in my mouth. Yeah, I don't really eat breakfast, but that's that superfood coffee is like a coffee shake. So that that carries me on to lunch. Yeah, it has all the things in it. All the things. <laughs> oh, sounds delicious. Even though I don't do coffee, but it, the, everything else for me sounds delicious. So you guys have three adorable kids. I want to know how long have you been together? Like what year did you get married? How did you meet? Can you take us back to where this love story all began because you guys have an incredible story. You are so honest about everything that you have been through or everything. And it's so big. And I just want to honor you guys for sharing so openly and honestly, because you're helping so many people. I know so many couples that have been inspired by your vulnerability. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. So can you take us back? Tell us about your story, how long you've been together, and some of the things that you guys have had to move through. Yeah, happily. We met at UCLA. I was an undergrad and a D was studying to get his PhD in psychology. And we met in an undergrad psychology class, a neuroscience class, and we fell in love really quickly. I was with a kind of abusive boyfriend at the time, hold the kind of, and was trying to get out of that relationship and had already emotionally let him go and let us go, but I hadn't actually ended it. He could feel it, though, for months coming. And I saw a D, and I completely fell in love in that moment. And it's because I had created space for the right person to walk into it, and he did. And we both kind of claim that we saw the other first, and (laughs) obviously I did. 
And <laughs> and we my size coming soon. We formed a study group and started seeing each other a lot and couldn't get each other off our minds and just doing everything we could to be around each other. But it was a kind of a sketchy time since I had a boyfriend. And yeah, it was fast and furious and quick and honeymoon phase and head over heels. And we got through, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend, which was pretty easy since we were already almost there. And it all began. It all began. And it was, it was a ride even from the beginning. Um, It wasn't easy. Like right from the beginning, there were little signs that that there was something to come and there were a little that I was a completely perfect <laughs> human who would just shine a light on your life exactly that too that's what she meant that for sure that was the most evident <laughs> parts that I saw very was it, apparently was it 2005 so 2005 we met yep 2005 we met we met in like September October when UCLA started school by Thanksgiving, you were breaking up or really, really close to it and almost had broken up with that ex in a drunken, in a drunken night. Sophie Halloween, right? Yeah, it was Halloween. Sophie had a friend. She didn't even tell me herself. Sophie, so much for radical transparency back then. I was 20 years old, bro. Sophie had a friend (laughs) tell me that she liked me. It was like being in junior high again. And then I found out she had a boyfriend and I said, well, you got to, you got to go fix that problem before we do anything. Cause I don't want, I don't want to be that guy. Sophie found out later it's because I'd been that guy in many, many other situations. And I saw something in the potential relationship we had to not start out that way. And then, yeah, we were inseparable. Like, I remember, it's kind of funny, but I remember the other day, I was remember going to dinner with our, my friend Boris, remember? Mm-hmm. And literally being told by him in the middle of dinner, like, you guys got to fucking separate. Like, you can't. You can't just sit next to each other because we we couldn't you know, like, keep our hands, our hands off each other of all the time. Other. We're like kissing in the middle of dinner, like at this restaurant, and like all our friends were just like, "Can you just give stop. us a minute? Like yeah, we yeah. can't even concentrate here." Yeah, yeah. So that's <laughs> definitely how it started, and was like that for months. And I think it worked. Like Sophie moved in with me relatively quickly. Like we moved really fast. I told Sophie, you know, I'm eight years older than her, so I told her pretty early in the relationship because she was having doubts, et cetera, about jumping from one five-year relationship to another serious relationship, which I totally get. I said, just so you know, this stuff doesn't come by often. It's not often that you meet somebody you want to spend all the days with and all the time with and you can't get enough of. Yeah. And I'm I'm 20 years old. I have a fake ID. Like I'm, I'm just this, I had been with one person ever sexually. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy that where I was in my life, And then I met a D and I asked for him. I did all the work to call in the right partner and a grown adult and someone to share my life with. I just didn't necessarily want it then that quickly. And you don't always get to pick. The timing is the timing. And you get given what you ask for when the universe wants to provide it. And it did. So we had we had a long mountain, a long, intense mountain to climb up because of the timing and because there wasn't a lot of space between my two relationships to heal. We had to do that healing together. So we've been through multiple iterations of who we are to each other, what the relationship has looked like, felt like. We've had like 15 different types of relationships in this one. And I'm so grateful for all of that now. But then it was just kind of like, wow, we're doing this. And I think it's like a lot of things when you're in the middle of the insanity. 
you don't necessarily know that there's a lesson coming. You definitely don't know what the lesson is yet. So it was a challenge to do the work to recognize how much beauty there was going to be in the future. And there were a few times where we didn't know if it was going to make it. So I, um, I think the, the intensity scared me. The realness scared me. Having a grown man who had his shit together and was getting his PhD and was like wearing a suit to class and had a good relationship as far as I could see with his mom and dad, his sister, they were really close. They still are all the little ticks, you know, I'm like, okay, okay. He's like, wow, he's everything I could ever want. He's from Israel. He's knows, you know, multiple languages. He has traveled the world. He like all of these beautiful things gets up in the morning with more inspired energy than me, which is saying a lot. Like I get, I wake up happy. I wake up grateful, but the way he wakes up, it's insane. He wakes up because he has this purpose, which is, we'll get to it, but his story is so amazing. And what he has overcome is nothing I could even relate to remotely. And because he has that extra purpose underneath it all, because he feels like he's been given a second chance, there's that also swimming through him. So that, you know, I it's everything I could have ever wanted and everything I do want. And thank God we stuck through it. But as a 20-year-old who had been with one partner and had barely seen the world and had barely had experiences, it was a lot all at once. And I kept just being like, is, this is a lot. And he kept just saying, I know, and I know this is the real thing. And just so you know, I've been through X amount of relationships and I've seen it all. I have, he has almost a decade on me and he's very evolved and been through so much. And he's like, just so you know, this is the real thing. And I don't know that I'll be here when you are ready to come back. So we went through a couple of breakups and some cheating and some, you know, some backs and forths and lies and a lot of, you know, manipulation and hiding and discovering and just a lot of like kind of the games of that. And it wasn't something that either of us were interested in. We both knew that we wanted an adult relationship, but we didn't know how because I was a child and he basically was a stunted child in his growth in terms of relationships. So we from an early, you know, we came back together after a year of being apart. There was cheating on Adi's side that he actually came to me and told me I already had a feeling and he came to me and said, you know, I've been seeing this woman. This is how it started. It started at school and she approached me and I actually wanted to hook her up with my friend. And then all of a sudden we're hanging out all the time and she's threatening our relationship and wanted to be with me. And so they had like a side relationship going on for a while. And he told me everything. And I said, you've given me no choice. I have to break up with you. And I did. And then I got that year of searching and being alone and traveling and dating other people and all the work that I needed to do, I really got in that year period. And I really approached it in that way. And I had to say, this is it forever, even though there was a small part of me that was hoping that he would change and that I would grow and that it would all come back together because I knew what I felt. I was also open to saying, this is done and I'm going to go do my work and do me. and Hopefully we find each other again, but if not, I'll be more than fine. So I'm going to go make myself whole. We've been together for 15 years, so I think we can tell every detail of the story that happened to us over an hour. But I'm just wondering, I mean, you've been in a long-term relationship. Like I I always 
I don't know. There's so I feel like there's so many phases to our yeah. relationship. The cheating in the year break was definitely a huge one. I think that was a huge pivotal thing for us to break up with the understanding that what you did was not okay and not respectful and me standing up for myself, even though I didn't want to be a part. And then getting back together after that year of both of us doing a ton of work. Adi was going to yoga classes on his own. He was doing his own self-discovery, his own, you know, therapy, same on my side, traveling, dating other people, both of us doing the work we needed to do for ourselves to be fully whole. And then we found each other again. How do you come back from cheating? How did you move through it? Well, there were several iterations of that even, but I would say as a whole, the cheating is not about me. Oh, say that again. Say it again. So if if you step back, bird's eye view of cheating, and you look at the actual situation, the person who cheated is cheating because of their own issues and things they need to work out. It's not about the person they cheated on. Oh, goosebumps. Because I know so many people listening to this who have either been cheated on at some point or or experienced, even if it was like not making love, even if it was just a kiss or something like that. And I know for me, it happened when I was very young and I made it all about me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. It's all me. When really, when you have the consciousness and awareness that we have, you can see that, okay, Adi was obviously going through something. Like in order for you to cheat, you have to, you know, have some serious like inner turmoil going on. Yeah. I mean, part of it was definitely inner turmoil. And I'm down to talk about that if if that's relevant. But part of it was also we had no tools. Like I'd been in a bunch of relationships before Sophie and Sophie hadn't, but neither one of us really had tools on how to deal with conflict, deal with disagreements, in healthy ways, grow in a relationship. So we just did what seemed okay. So like, I mean, one example, Sophie came out of a abusive relationship. Phys- being physical, like PDA and kissing and stuff was okay, but like actual intimacy was hard for her. And in a weird, it sounds insane when I say it now, but in a weird way, I didn't want to push her, which meant that we weren't intimate often or where we were, there was a lot of discomfort. It was kind of like, she would cry because it would remind her of being sexually assaulted by her ex. And I didn't really know how to deal with that because nobody ever sat me down and said, even though I'm studying psychology, nobody sat me down and said, hey, when the person you love is crying in your arms while you're having sex, here's how to deal with it. So neither of us knew how to deal with it. We didn't really talk much about it. And so I, not knowing what normal coping would be or how to deal in the relationship with it, I ended up literally by mistake, like finding somebody else who gave me that attention somewhere else. It was this girl who started talking to me at the gym. And I had a couple of single guy friends. I thought she would be a good match, but that's not what she was in there for, really. She just, she, whatever, she needed attention for whatever reason also. So she started talking to me. I liked the attention. Now I wasn't pushing Sophie anymore for that attention because I was getting it somewhere else. I literally felt like it was serving a purpose in the beginning. But then as things do when you don't deal with them head on, it got out of hand and it got out of hand for months and months. And then it went way too far. And Sophie went away. And while she was away, I had sex with this woman because there was no, like, I didn't even understand what was going on. Right. I was 
trying to get the attention I needed, but I didn't know how to get it from my partner. I didn't know how to work through those issues. And so definitely a lot of stuff going on for me and definitely the complete lack of real emotional intimacy tools to deal with that. Yeah, totally. What did you feel like was missing within you that you were potentially going to get from this other person? You know, I, I don't know if I would use that exact language. I know for a fact to this day, to this moment while we're speaking, I always have to struggle with my need for attention and to be liked. It's just, it's, I, don't, I don't know how many people, the people I talk to a lot and I work with struggle with that quite a bit. I don't, I don't know how normal that is for other people. But for me, I have to be very conscientious. I'm 95% better about this now than I was 15 years ago when we met. But I have to be really conscious of not, seeking attention and not trying to do things to draw attention and and have people reward me with right they're kind of like the capital that is the the comment or the what I, the compliment or something along those lines right i would i would be always fishing for that because i didn't feel like i was good enough by myself and i needed that to feed me yeah totally totally that that makes sense and, you know, I know you guys well, and I know some of the other things you've been through, Adi, personally, you've, you've been through sex addiction and drugs, and you were even in prison. And one thing I love about you two is you have this unwavering commitment to your individual growth, and then the growth of your partnership. And that is a really beautiful thing, because I think a lot of people, and I talk about this in my second book, Open Wide, a lot of people think the grass is greener on the other side. And they're like, oh, you know, this is too hard. It's too hard. I'm just gonna, it's I'm just gonna go find someone else who's gonna be all rainbows and butterflies. And the thing is, is the grass is greener where you water it, you know, and this is what you guys do and and what I do, you know, we tend to our relationship. We water them, we work through them, we get the help what we need to get when we need to get it. But you guys have been through so much and, you know, even dealing with addiction and, and all of that stuff as well. What are some of your tools? You know, you spoke about tools. What are the tools? And, and by the way, I want to make, I want to make it clear for people because you asked Sophie what allows us to come back. Yeah. When we were talking about potentially coming back together, Sophie went away to Thailand. I wrote her this long email inspired by a cheesy quote on a mug that we now own in our house and we will always have. And the mug said, what would you attempt to do if you knew you wouldn't fail? And I was standing at, a, not a Starbucks, but like coffee bean here, the equivalent. And I was like, I would get Sophie back. That's what I knew. If I knew it wouldn't fail, I would get Sophie back. And I, so I came home, I said, fuck it. I'm going to write her an email. I know she's in Thailand with some random dude. I don't know, but let's see what happens. So I write her this long email telling her this story and telling her like, if there's anything I can do, I would love I would really love another chance to be with you and I think in the first email she was like cool but we have to go to couples therapy like if if there's even a chance for this to work and I was only 21 22 like and I some I knew cuz I come from a divorced family and I knew what we were going through were big big problems and that I wasn't willing to get into a potential relationship that at this point is going to be long-term if we're getting back together after all of this. Yeah. I'm not willing. I know myself. If I, at that point, I knew that if we got back together, we were going to get married and have babies. I knew that. 
And so if that's the case, I want to make sure that we have such a healthy foundation and such a healthy relationship for our children, for our our romance, for our love. And I knew that we didn't have the tools. So that's one of the things I'm saying is be very clear and very deliberate about what you need to allow things to move forward, right? Sophie didn't say, okay, let's get back together. Don't you don't you think we should get therapy? It wasn't like that. It was like, for me to feel safe, I need to go get couples therapy. Now, full transparency, you're talking about sex addiction. And that's actually, in a way, I, I think about it a little bit differently now than I did when we first started writing about it because I've processed it so many times. But that whole need to be liked and wanted, et cetera, had been running since I was nine or 10 or 11 or 12, right? And like so many other men, boys at the time, but so many other boys who become men, I had found ways of dealing with it without risk, right? So porn and anonymous sex and things like that just became ways of knowing that I'm not going to get rejected, right? Porn will deliver what you need it to deliver whenever you need it. It's never going to ask you for shit and it's never going to tell you that you're not good looking enough or large enough or pretty enough or you don't make enough money. None of that stuff is going to happen. Porn is going to deliver. So I think a lot of guys depend on that stuff. Um, And in the work that we did, when Sophie was talking about multiple layers, there were things that preceded our relationship that I didn't even realize were causing me to not be able to intimately connect with the person I loved in the same ways because I always had something to run to. There was always like, literally, like we would have a fight. We would, in the middle of a jog, we would have a fight. We would go running our different ways because we just screamed at each other in the middle of the street. Sophie would, I don't know what Sophie did. I would start texting ex-sex partners just to like, I wasn't doing that. That's what I was not doing. You were not doing that. I just wanted to feel okay. I just felt like shit and I'm scared that my fiance at the time is going to leave me. So like the only way I knew how to feel okay was to get that attention. And without tools, without knowing at the time that that's putting my relationship even more at risk and creating more of a problem. So we had a lot of layers of that for me. We were also, we were in like this case study for multiple years. We were in therapy. We were in healing. We didn't even know what we were doing at the time. Like we just knew we were both psychology students. We both wanted to be good and be in a healthy relationship. We both knew what we wanted, even though we came from very different childhoods. We both knew what we wanted to create for our future family and for our relationship. And we weren't accepting anything less than that. We just didn't know how to get there. So that's when we started to go to healing, go to therapy, you know, have these fights, have these big uncovering fights, discover something new. I was always searching for something because at, at that time, every time I searched, I found something. So I, li- I learned to listen to my instincts. And now I have no desire in the world to search his things because we're so radically transparent. That is what we based our entire relationship on now is being radically transparent with each other and the people in our lives. And It's what works for us. And we knew intuitively that that's what we needed. And when we were, I was, you know, it's over a decade ago, seeing our first therapist, we proposed this idea of radical transparency. We didn't call it that. But I said, I need to know everything, every single thing about his past. I want to know every partner. I want to know every person he kissed. I want to know, I want to know all of it because he's my person and that's going to help me to understand. And she was like, I don't really suggest that. I don't really know if we want to, I don't know if that's the healthiest thing for this. And, da, da, da. and we kind of made up the rules as we went along. 
and created radical transparency within our relationship. And it is what has made me feel safe because after he poured his heart into several disclosures, like that's the technical term, once he did several of those, I then finally felt like the slate was wiped clean and we were on the same footing. We were on the same grounding for the first time ever. I was like, oh, there you are. Now let's start and have a conversation here. Now let's have a relationship here. Mm, Beautiful. Do you think in the 15 years, in the 15 years that you guys have been together, have you ever had that fear come up? Oh my gosh, he might do it again. Well, now we're in such a different place that, and we've been through so much since then, three children, I've cheated on a D, which was part of my healing, not that I knew it at the time, but it's been my greatest medicine has been that. How long into was that? Was that like? That was pre-Noah, post-Leo, like four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And this came what felt like out of the blue. There were, again, there were signs. If I, if we were really paying attention to ourselves and our relationship, I would have seen signs. I was flirting with this director inappropriately via text and getting attention from him in ways I wasn't from a D. And a D was working really hard and I was raising the children. And it was just, it, the signs were there, but I wasn't listening. Even my girlfriends were like, mm, this doesn't feel good. And I made up stories about why it was okay. And then on New Year's, I just, had a crazy, we had a crazy night. We were super intoxicated. We were at this like super bougie, sexy hotel. And again, I was very intoxicated. Adi went to sleep and I met this model and we started talking and that was that. It's like long story short. And I had never had a one night stand. That wasn't that. There was cheating after that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, it's funny. It's when you tell the story, I still have a visceral reaction to it. Yeah. It's so it's so crazy. Like it's been five years. But I like because when you tell the story, you shy away from telling the actual cheating that happened. But I guess you do it in both of our I'm stories. more than happy to get into details. If anyone I'm trying to save you, but if you would like me to no, get I into already... the details here of this beautiful model that I had sex with, I'm more than happy to go there if you'd like me to. You can focus on whatever part of it you want. What I'm part would saying... you like me to focus no, no, on? No, it's just really interesting. It's it's just really interesting how different for me, the best thing about Sophie cheating was I got to understand how she felt. Mm. Had you ever experienced that before with any other partners? No, I mean, when I was a, a freshman in college, my then high school girlfriend, I assume she cheated on me, but the way it worked out was she met a senior and then ended up breaking up with me because of it. it's like the quintessential <laughs> college fucking movie. Um, <laughs> She like went away first semester, met a guy who was a senior and then broke up with me. So there was something similar, but this was different. I mean, we, we've had kids like we're deeply entrenched in a relationship. And so it was a very different level of betrayal, but it's hard to understand the level of like heart palpitation, Anxiety. shortness of breath, pit in your stomach kind of feeling that comes up as Sophie's describing this evening at a hotel until you've been through that kind of a betrayal, mm-hmm. right? So in in a very, neither one of us recommend this as an option for those of you who've been through this, but it is definitely incredibly informative to literally put yourself in your partner's shoes literally. when something like that has happened. It's a complete flipping of the yin and yang. It was completely, 
everything got flipped upside down. I got to experience what a one night stand felt like and that you actually, I had this, I put myself on this pedestal unknowingly, but I was like, I've never had a one night stand. How can you have sex with someone you don't love? And all this judgment surrounding it. It was naivety. I was, I was naive. I was young. I was unexperienced and I was judgmental because you judge what you don't understand to feel safe. And I was wrong. I have no feelings for this man. I had no feelings five minutes after, except for some hatred, right after it happened. I would never have known that. Someone could have told me that till I was blue in the face. You can have sex with someone you don't love. Mistakes happen or it can be fun. I'm like, I would be like, yeah, right. There must be something wrong with you. That was my own insecurities. That was my own judgments. And now I know that he's not a monster who just could have sex with people he didn't love and like a you know, whatever I created about who he was, it made me understand him better. It made me understand some of my best friends better. So that in itself was healing. And then on top of it, to truly embed that idea in my head, the reason that I did that was not for him, not against him. It was for me. It was medicine for me. And that, that is the part that was magic. That was the part that even one, you know, right after it happened, I said, this is going to be so good for us. That wasn't easy for him to hear. It wasn't intentional. I didn't go into the evening knowing that was going to happen, but it was medicine for our relationship. And it was like a lightning bolt to it. And then after that moment, everything got restructured and we, the, the power shifted. He had all this power of being the one and like, not even want. he didn't even want it. He didn't want the power of the person who kept cheating and making mistakes. Now it was like, oh, now we're on even playing fields, which completely shifted everything. He's not the bad guy. We both are equally capable of doing things that are below us or out of integrity. We're both capable of doing that. And we had even friends that kind of, they were like, whoa, Sophie's coming down off this pedestal. Like, what am I going to do? It's like, I never put myself up there. You put me up there. And so we create these ideas in our heads of what's right, what's wrong. And right after that happened, I went away to teach two back-to-back yoga retreats in Mexico. And I was at my second one in Tulum, and I had a tarot card reading. And it was the first moment in life that I realized, and really, like, it came into my brain, and I understood it, that there is no right and wrong. There is no right and wrong. There is no right and wrong. There just isn't. There's times that you can think things could be wrong or bad, quote unquote, but it could be the greatest medicine for you and for your healing and your maximum growth opportunity and the opposite. Like it, anything goes in life, in this game we call life, as long as we're doing it to grow and it's what we do with that energy. Wow, guys. Wow. And you're right. There is no right and wrong. It's just our perception and the lens that we choose to see things through. And, you know, that in our house, we don't use right or wrong. You know, we say things like, was that the best choice to our boy? Like, was that your best choice or things like that? But we try to steer away from this is right and this is wrong because it's all conditioning. It's all programming. And you guys know having three kids. So I love that you said that because it helps us just release all judgments, all judgments that we have around everything. But I want to know, Adi, I mean, what was your process like when that happened? Did you want to leave? Did you think about leaving? Like, what was the process like for you? I mean, I didn't think of leaving. Sophie actually asked me that right after. 
I didn't think of leaving. I mean, we had a couple of kids. And again, I'd done a lot beforehand. So it was definitely, it was a shock. There were, it took weeks for me to sort of wrap my head around what happened. But it, it wasn't about leaving. It was about reformulating expectations and conversations between us because Sophie had always, always, always talked about this like shitty side of me that did all those things. And now he or she is showing up the same way. And, you know, it's easy. It's much easier to talk about removing judgment out of everything than it is to actually remove judgment out of everything. I find to this day in conversation, Sophie and I have still, it's easy to jump into judgment sometimes because it's there. Like society drives it. Society tells you what's okay, what's not okay. The friends you hang out with tell you, push an agenda of what they see is okay and not okay. And I mean that in every sense. What shows you should watch, what clothes you should wear, how much you should weigh, what makeup or not you should wear. Like, I mean, in every, in, it's insidious in how many ways it gets into our lives. And I do. I mean, I wear this bracelet that says, fuck shame. Sophie will attest that I'm pretty strong-willed about it. Like, the moment I feel somebody trying to make me feel bad about who I am, I have a real reaction to it. And I don't like that being done to other people as well. I'm not, I don't, I don't work well with people who, who try to pressure others into behaving the right way based on making them feel like shit about themselves. So I didn't want to leave, but it definitely required a lot of work on our ends because Sophie now, five years later, has kind of grown up in that lesson. And there've been a lot of moments of clarity, but, you know, like, in the middle of it, as we were fighting, I remember this one ride in the car, Sophie was like yelling at me that she's going to leave me after just cheating on me. And I'm like, wait, no, you don't like, you just cheated on me. You can't now threaten to leave me at the same time. But it being thrown off a pedestal and being now the person who screwed up or whatever language you want to put to it took a while to adjust to it. It wasn't the normal relationship we had. Sophie was the perfect one who never fucked up. And now she did. And so what I learned, it's been nine years since my cheating. It's been about five years since Sophie's. What I've learned in our relationship over and over and over is any one of those high-intensity, big friction, disagreement, fighting kind of moments are opportunities to re-examine your beliefs about what you're even doing here. Because what's happening is one of us or both of us are holding on to some sense of what's right and what's wrong, like Sophie just said. And if we just let that go for a minute and try to empathize and understand what the other person is going through, or even on a more basic level, just look at what's best for the relationship and our family, I think a lot of that fight would be gone. And so we've gone through dozens of iterations of this. But what I've what we're realizing is the fights are shorter. There's more time between them. The hangover from them is not as long. And maybe more importantly, our life is gradually sort of coming together into a habitual way that we both love and appreciate and can live. And I'm always trying to stay open to the next change and what else needs to be corrected. I want to also share that during that time after I cheated, our therapist made us promise mm. 
that we would stop, and when I say we, me, stop threatening to leave because that was my mojo. That was that was what I did. And, you know, I was taught from an early age, like, you get up and go. That's what my mom did. We I went to multiple different schools growing up. My parents divorced when I was in third grade. I lived in a different home from third grade till eighth grade. Uh, went to a different every school. Year. Yeah, every year I moved and also moved schools. So, you know, from different states. I lived in three different states during that time. And it was very unsettling. And also what I knew, I thrived in always on the go. Like, oh, Sophie's so adaptable. Sophie's so, you know, she can be with any crowd, any group of friends. Sophie's so great. Sophie's so great, said my parents and said my teachers. But I just had to figure out how to cope because that's all I knew was that was just being on the move and escaping from whatever was challenging. My mom's jobs would challenge her or the boyfriend or whatever it was. And so we'd get up and move. And so that's where I felt comfort. And that's what I kept trying to pull in our relationship from the beginning was like, that's fine. I'm just going to head out then. Okay, I'm out. One foot out the door. And that one foot out the door threat was something I adopted from my mom. And it it's not safe and it doesn't make him feel safe and it's not good for the relationship. So now we're in it and our agreement from that day, five years ago in therapy and going forward, our agreement as of now is we are in it together unless one of us falls out of love. So there's good, bad, and ugly, whatever happens, happens and we fight through it together. There's no more threatening of leaving. We're in this together. And if one of us falls out of love, it's our responsibility to be like, I'm actually not in this anymore. I've fallen out of love and take responsibility for that. And then in an adult, grown-up fashion, get out of that relationship because we owe that to the other person and to the love. Oh, I love that. I love it. It's like, let's take that off the table because I know heaps of people that use those empty threats. It's like, well, I'll just go. And they don't really actually mean it. Like they don't really mean it. And if you could just literally commit to taking that off the table, it's not an option. And, and you know, my husband has said that to me. And it's interesting because, and this is very vulnerable to share, but my mom and dad are still together. But Nick has been married before and he has a son. And for me, I'd always been in long-term relationships. But then getting with him, I thought, oh, well, this won't last because it hasn't lasted for him before. And so I had told myself like, and so I was like, oh, well, and I used to be like, oh, well, it's over. Like, you know, whenever, if we'd ever have a fight, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, and then he's like, no, 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 no. Unless one of us does not love the other person, he would say the same thing. Like, hey, babe, we're in this till the end. And I was like, oh yeah. Even though I grew up with parents that are still married, like for me, it was like, oh, well, yeah, this is his second marriage. And I just made up this stupid story in my head. That's what we do. We try and make up stories to feel safe and to like act like we know, but we don't know the future. And each relationship, when Adi and I first started dating, it was far beyond my understanding, but he was like, it's like a fairy book. Like you get to decide, you get to write the book together. You just have to be on the same page. It doesn't matter what you guys can write anything you want. We can write anything we want in this storybook, in this fairy tale. And it doesn't matter what anyone thinks, whatever what anyone else says. It's up to us to just stay on the same page and keep communicating about this story as it's unfolding. And 
again, it was beyond my understanding then, but now I really get it. Like your relationship is yours. It's just ours. And we get to make up the rules. There are no. I think that's the thing that happens with that judgment piece and why I'm so against it is we were in different places in our lives when we met and then we tried to join them. And then it clashed because you brought different expectations and I brought different expectations. And we washed some of those away and we were able to come together. And then things keep popping up. And the idea, I would actually argue, just like I do with my clients, hopefully you're always working on your relationship. Yeah, and yourself. And yourself. Because the moment you stop putting work into it, it's going to go stale. And once something sits for long enough, it's going to, you know, develop mildew and and rot. And that's going to happen to your relationship. Because the idea, the notion somehow that you will magically stop in some perfect harmony and then both of you somehow stay in that place for the rest of your lives regardless of family friends environmental things that happen like coronavirus disease deaths kids pick any number of things that you have no impact over and the to imagine that you'll just be fine no matter what that is is just a buying into the Disney fairy tale, the sort of movie bullshit thing that we've all watched. I always joke. I, I have this dream one day. I think I talk, I think I might have told you this when you guys were here. The I want to create a happily ever after, but a after happily ever after movie series. Like, what the fuck happened to uh, Sleeping Beauty and and the <laughs> yeah. Prince after that? Because happily ever after ended, but they're like 18 years old. What happened till they were 90? Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't ever tell that story because it's more complicated and it's not always as much fun. It's not and, as pretty. Yeah. So we've been together 15 years because we're willing to show up even when things are uncomfortable and say, okay, well, I guess it's a new chapter. And I mean, I know you guys talk a lot about sexuality and intimacy. Trust the same thing will happen with sex because it doesn't matter or any version of intimacy. It doesn't matter how great things were in the beginning. You will run that course at some point. Somebody will go, okay, we've done that 4,000 times. It's been 10 years. What do we do next? And if you're not ready to adjust and adapt and and be f- sometimes literally flexible, <laughs> but at other times just kind of emotionally not, not hold on, like not anchor down and say, but no, this is how you have sex or this is how you go out to dinner. Or we don't do that because it's, Bad or gross yeah. or no. Well, I, I think you have to let that into almost every area and, of your life. And just keep trying to expand and question, why do I feel uncomfortable when he brings that up? What is it about me that I need to look at? When he says that he wants to try that thing, why do I immediately close up? What is that feeling? And then when he says, let's try that other thing and I feel expansive, what is that? And look at that and have conversations around this. And this is what we help couples do is really feel comfortable in the uncomfortable. Because this is your person. Yeah. This Mm. is your person. Totally. And you've committed to them and you love them. And yeah, there is going to be things that happen, like you mentioned. And I love that you guys are so deeply committed to doing the work on yourselves and then doing the work on your relationship as well. So what are some of the things that you do? Are you still seeing a therapist? Like, what do you guys do individually and together now to keep watering your relationship? Yeah. And it's funny you using that analogy of, the grass not being watered and cared for, that's exactly what happened at that time when I cheated on a D. We weren't watering our relationship. Like there was work, there was kids, there was all these things taking our attention away from ourselves. But if we would have just put the 
you know, taken the water ca- watering can back again and started watering, it would have been all completely different. But yeah, I think now we're really into just maintenance where when we have any issues that come up, we go and see a therapist again. We don't see a therapist regularly, but the minute that we start feeling uneasiness, we're right back in the room and we schedule 90 minute sessions and we go like week after week until we're like, feel good. Yeah. You too. Yep. Feel good. Okay. Now we can pick up our toolbox and do this on our own again. But there's a certain point, no matter how evolved you are, no matter how much self-care you do, where you just feel so frustrated and unable to move forward in certain conflicts. And that's okay. We're not perfect. Um, So we definitely, sometimes we need a a mediator, right? Like somebody to to look at what we're both saying and be able to connect dots. Yeah. And then I, but we also, you know, I think talk therapy is brilliant and amazing. But for us, what really has worked over the last six years now is doing MDMA together. It's like a medicinal, ritualistic experience that we share. And it's a ritual. It's this, it's a ceremony and it brings us together. It's like, mind-blowing, all inhibitions are gone. So you can just kind of speak the way you wanted to speak. Like you don't, there's no stress, there's no worries, there's no to-do list, you're just present. And it has been medicine for our relationship in terms of intimacy. It's helped me heal from a lot of my abuse, sexual abuse, fears, anxieties, and brought us together in really amazing ways. So that's something that we've done is gotten creative with like different types of plant medicine or you know, like that MDMA, talk therapy, and then taking care of ourselves and filling up our own cups with all the self-care. Yeah. I and mean, we do a lot of work on ourselves and we were both in the help wellness space anyway. So I actually get really fed by helping other people. And it always keeps reminding me of ways that I can check myself and get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I lead Ignited has, especially right now with everything that's going on with Corona, really stepped up our online presence. So we now offer eight, soon to be nine weekly support groups for people. I lead two of them and I have a bunch of other coaches that lead a couple as well. So every Tuesday and Friday when I check in with my groups, it teaches me and, and reminds me. And that's a very active part of my self-care. Check-ins too are great for us. Like in between things, doing check-ins like a five-minute check-in, especially when we're feeling a little off or ungrounded or not connected to each other. Just kind of like whatever feels good. One person speaks, the other person listens and just shares. And we'll pick different questions. Like what was the highlight of your day? What was the highlight of your week? Where did you struggle? Where? How could I support you more? Yeah, I mean, we definitely alternate the questions that we ask. It used to be, where's our relationship really strong right now? Where do I feel like it can, you know, we can use some help? finding out what I've done or talking about things that I feel like I've done where I've supported my partner and, and acknowledging things they've done. And really holding space for one another. So the key of those check-ins is it's not a conversation. It's just a way to unload some information, let your partner actively listen. So they're not doing anything. They're not waiting to respond. They're just talk, you, you know, you're talking and they're, they're talking so we can both just sit there and listen to what the other person is saying. Yeah. So that's been big for in betweens. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. Because you guys work from home and you do business and life together. And now with coronavirus, we're all inside. So how do you make it work living and working together? This is I love asking this question because I'm like, I get little tips and tricks because my husband and I, uh, well, everyone is at home together 
at the moment because of Corona, but my husband and I are always at home together. He's got a music studio here. I'm working. So what are your little tips and tricks for people to make it work? Yeah. I mean, what would you do if you were dating someone right now? And you know, bring that spicy, like fun for us. Like we did a date night last week and that meant going out together in the car and getting sushi via takeout and, you know, and just sitting somewhere outside together and having a picnic. And and it's not perfect. Like I was a little depressed being out because it's a depressing time. And we just spoke to that. And I was like, oh, I was hoping that we could escape it all. And there's no escape right now from the reality that is our world. There's nowhere to go where you can forget. So that was really hard for me, but it was also really nice to remember. Like we drove in a D's convertible and we put the top down and I clearly didn't care about my hair because I'm not getting a blowout anytime soon. So, you know, it was like fun and free. And I just told, he has a motorcycle. I was like, let's go on a ride. Like who cares? We have nowhere else to be. Little things that are exciting, sending each other texts, like that's something really great that I forget about, but we get into good, like we have a strong gift game when we actually get there. and it can completely transform your mood to get like a sexy, loving, sweet text from your partner, even if it's from the other room. The littlest things, the simplest things make a big difference right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And always, and always, corona or not, send a nice, sweet, sexy text to your person right now. Don't even think about it because it can shift their mood, shift their day, make them feel wanted and connect the two of you, which will only then create energy for later on. And it takes, what, 30 seconds? It's nothing. Find a cute gif. It's so easy. I know. Yeah. I I mean, Nick is always, he always sends me beautiful text messages. Like not, not every day, but he uses a project management software called Things. And he has a reminder in there every day that says, compliment Melissa. And, you know, because for him, that's how he needs to remember. I don't need to remember, but for some people, they need a reminder. And so then he'll send me a text message and, you know, I'm, I feel it makes my day. Even if he writes a note on a piece of scrap paper out of the bin. Even better. Yeah. Like he says, I love you. Or the other day I went out and then I came back and there was a note on the door and it just said, I love you. I miss you so much. I was gone for like half an hour. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. That's all it takes. Yeah. I know. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. I have to interrupt this juicy conversation to tell you about today's epic sponsor, Better Help. For those of you that have been following me for a while will know that back in 2010, I hit rock bottom and ended up in hospital with my health taken away from me. I was dealing with a whole host of physical health issues, which you can read about in Mastering Your Mean Girl, but I was also dealing with some mental health issues from anxiety, panic attacks, eating issues, and depression. So that was the first time I started seeing a therapist, which helped me so much. From there, I have worked with so many coaches, counselors, therapists, and mentors who have all been very supportive for my growth and evolution. This is why I'm such a massive fan of getting support when you feel you need it. Some people think that you have to do this thing called life alone, but let me tell you, you don't. You don't have to do it alone and reaching out for support is okay. In fact, it's very brave and courageous. 
This is why I love BetterHelp, which connects you online to over 4,000 licensed therapists, counselors, and caring professionals that specialize in the issues that you want to talk about. Now, another epic thing is that your sessions can be done via video, phone, chat, or even text if you don't feel comfortable doing a video conversation or even a phone conversation. And you can communicate with someone within 24 hours, which is great for those times when you feel you really need to talk to someone quickly. And sometimes booking in with someone in person can take weeks. I know that's been the case for me. And all you need to do is fill out the form online and they hook you up with the best person for your needs. How awesome is that? And we are giving the MA Tribe 10% off your first month with the discount code MA Tribe. And if you're currently struggling with something, please reach out and get support with BetterHelp. All you have to do is head to betterhelp.com forward slash MA Tribe to get your 10% off. And remember, isn't shameful to ask for help and support. It is actually incredibly brave and courageous. So please reach out if you feel you need support and help right now. Head to betterhelp.com forward slash MA tribe. Now let's get back to this conversation. I would love to hear for someone who may be just finding out that their partner has cheated on them. What advice do you have for them? I mean, the first advice I'm gonna say is the, is going to be a plug. Listen to Sophie's well, our story on our podcast. Yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes for you guys. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. And um, because the first thing you know, you feel so alone and isolated and judged and ashamed and all that. Uh, and so the first thing is to realize you're not alone. And the second thing, which is a big reason why we do all this stuff, is to recognize that the death sentence for your relationship has not been written. This doesn't have to be over. Now, again, both partners have to be willing to step the fuck up and do the work. It's not, nobody's going to fix it by snapping their finger, but there can be a beautiful, maybe even a lot of growth. So even maybe even a better relationship than there was before. If you sit down and you do the work to unravel why this happened and what's underneath it. I think that's the first important thing. Then come some of the tools we talked about, like find somebody you can go talk to because doing this alone is not recommended. We, I mean, I'll, again, I'll kind of pitch Ignited does a lot of work around this stuff. So Sophie and I have a relationship workshop because of Corona, we just lowered the pricing on everything. So we just made like a $43 a month subscription for all the workshops and all the courses that we offer because Corona and people just need help right now. So we have a relationship, we have a family workshop. I have an addiction for people who struggle with sex addiction or or alcohol or drugs addiction and things like that. So kind of Orient yourself, find resources, and just dive in. I wrote an article for Women's for Women's Health magazine, for Mind Body Green, for a couple different publications. So you can just search Sophie Jaffe sex addiction, and you'll see those, or they're in the show notes. But I have a bunch of online stuff. And then, yeah, really listening to our story on Ignited Podcast, and then going to our relationship course, as Adi said, on Ignited website. You know, we're here. We're here as resources. There aren't a lot of people that talk about the positive aspects to staying with your partner after there's some cheating, whether you're married or not. 
There are a lot of positive aspects because you learn from it. You see the person's darkness. You see their shadow. You see your own shadow. You see your own darkness, and you let yourself be seen from that place. So immediately, vulnerability, intimacy, right there. So for leaving at that point, it's like, oh, now you're broken open, and now you have to heal and put yourself back together. But what if you healed together? And it might, it won't be at the same timing, but... Mm. If you can commit to staying in that vulnerable place together and finding a great therapist and saturating yourself in the tools that we just provided and, you know, there's a million more, that's really what it's about. It's not that what he or she did was bad, quote unquote. Get away from that thinking and say, what is the lesson here for me? What am I here to learn? What is the karma here between a D and I? What are we meant to learn and share in this moment? And if you can bring it back to a learning moment, then it's not about being a victim or falling into like, oh, like I'm so ugly or fat or da da da, or he wants other women or I'm not good enough in bed or, you know, my dick isn't big enough. Like, stop making it about you. Where is the learning and where is the growth opportunity? Totally, because there's always growth. And when you are with your one, with your partner that you've chosen to be with, they are your mirror and they are a beautiful opportunity for you to face your shadows. And, you know, Nick and I, we say this all the time. He's like, you're my biggest teacher. And we have been through so much together and we have grown every time. And I love what you said, going back to the very start of our conversation. There's been like 15 iterations of your marriage. And I feel the same too. I almost feel like it's like every day is a new iteration. Like every day we, we learn something new about each other. We discover something and, and almost each hurdle, or I call them road bumps. Anytime we go over a road bump, on the other side, it's smooth. And we learn so much. And even just, you know, these past couple of weeks of being in the house by ourselves and with his son as well. It's like all this uncertainty, like there's been heightened emotions and we've grown again. And so anyone listening, I want them to know that whatever you do experience in your relationship, even on your own, whatever you experience, they are opportunities for growth. They are opportunities for you to get to know yourself deeper, and for you to deepen your relationship. Now, we're not talking about domestic violence here. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, you know, just some of the common things that we all experience in a relationship or a marriage. And I just love how transparent you guys are. You're helping so many people. And it really is so beautiful because, you know, I've had friends come to me who have gone through cheating and I'm just like, I send them to your work. I'm like, just go and listen to this episode. <laughs> go and go here. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and thanks you. for having us and, and having this conversation. You know, we live in this age where it's always really easy to put on a smiling face and only talk about the shit that's working out. It just doesn't serve anybody. So, you know, we try to talk about as much of it as we can. Yeah. Thank you guys. I have a couple of more, a few more questions that are not related to cheating or relationships, but more wanting to get to know you guys a little bit deeper. So I want to know, and this doesn't have to be about relationships, but if you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, 
besides your book, Adi, let's presume that's already in the curriculum. What is one book that you would each choose? It's tough. I think I would do The Four Agreements. Oh, yeah. So good. It's like the closest thing to my Bible. I'm not religious, so it's the closest thing to to what I would call my Bible is The Four Agreements. It's just so... It impacted me when I was in high school, actually. And I was like, oh, yeah, like this is it, you know? And I just think that if everyone in the world were prescribed that, then it would be a a much more connected, collaborative, less ego-driven, less judgment kind of place. Mm, Absolutely. Man, I have a hard time picking a book. I mean, the, the couple that just jump out to me and they're not, they're like dystopian. So I'm sorry for the... Maybe maybe this is the right time in history, though, to say this. Like, I'm having a hard time between A Brave New World and 1984 as my, my two options. But yeah, I, you know, it's funny. On the other side of Sophie's conversation is the fact that really developing self-awareness and understanding where you fit into the world and how much of that is made up for us. I really discovered a lot of that in those two books. So sorry, I'm giving two books, but those are my two. No, it's all good. I mean, this personal development world, self-awareness, like it's the best thing I ever did. And for me, it all started in 2010, so 10 years ago. And it took me hitting rock bottom, like completely just losing my health. I was depressed. I had an eating disorder. And I am so grateful for that dark time because I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the level of awareness and consciousness and spirituality that I have now. So if you're listening to this and you have been thinking, oh, I I want to really work on myself. I want to dive deeper into self-awareness and meditation and things like that. Just do it. Now more than ever, we need more people to wake up and rise. Absolutely. Okay. So... How do you guys, I know you're both very much into wellness. You're very much into self-care. You have three young children. How do you take care of yourselves in the morning? Like, do you have a morning routine that you each individually do to prime yourself for the day? And how do you do it with three little kids? We do. And they're like total opposites. Night and day. Total opposites. So I have to work out pretty much every day. I'm starting to feel right now because the last two and a half days have been rough. But when the kids are in school, I wake up at 5.40 and I start working out. So I have a morning ritual. I do my five-minute journal and then um, the productivity journal that goes along with that. Then I go to work out. In our gym? Yeah, I used to go to the gym. Now I just put stuff in in our uh, garage so I get to do it there. But I spend that first hour and 20 minutes of every day with myself. So there's a very short meditation in there along with the five minute journal, but it's really about gratitude, what I want for that day, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of planning, then going into a workout. And then as Sophie mentioned, my ritual is right when that's done, I go upstairs. Noah, our little baby is normally awake by then. I grab her. I take the other two kids. I start feeding them. Sophie's asleep this entire time. (laughs) And the kids? Yeah, they were asleep that whole time. Yeah, yeah. Our um, oldest isn't. Our Kai... oldest normally wakes up and reads while I'm working yeah. out. But then 7 o'clock, I do that. S- seven to By 7.30, they're out the door. So really from like 5.40 to 7.30, I have two hours of fully scheduled mornings. 
And that's when I make that superfood coffee that Sophie talked about in the beginning. Bring that to her at like 8 a.m. Now, and, and now, during quarantine. Yeah, I guess it's like 7, Usually it's 7, 7. 20, 7.30 by the time she's ready to kind of get up. Normally, and that's, I mean, you can set a clock to that ritual normally when things are running. Yeah. I'll let Sophie tell hers. Yeah, I mean, I've been in wellness for so long. It's just ingrained with inside of me. You know, I was certified yoga instructor, personal trainer, and a raw food chef by the time I was 20. So... For me, this is my world. This is, you know, I was eating superfoods before anyone even talked about them. I was taking them and herbs and adaptogens. And so this has been my world for over 15 years of wellness. And I've gone through different iterations in that just as our relationship. There were times when I like had to work out every single morning and get to the gym. And now with three kids um, and being in this phase of my life and really honoring who I am as this version of who I am, a 35-year-old woman who it has multiple businesses and three children, what my body's craving more than ever is more yen and and easing into the day slowly. My body wants more sleep. It wants to restore. I am from the minute I do get up to the minute I go to sleep, I am firing on multiple syllables, you know, from like parenting to all of it. And it's never stops. It never stops. So I'm managing so many people and things and businesses and nannies. And it's just, it's nonstop. So for me, what I crave is a slow start. So it's superfood coffee. It's kisses from my children. It's emerging slowly, giving them a really great foundational start to their day, which is like love and nutritious foods and a solid mom and dad to be around. That's really like my intention for the morning is making sure they feel that as they start their day. And then I, once they go to school in a, in a normal life, once they go to school or start their day here as they've been doing, then I can take my time. But I need to make sure that they're happy before I do my own stuff. And then once I know that they're in the places they're supposed to be and everyone has got a taste of mommy, then I can start my day. And and then I lately it's been just going in the sauna, reading, journaling, setting intentions for the day, moving my body a little bit, some Pilates or yoga or whatever intuitively feels good. But I don't really need more than 20 minutes to work out now. I'm just past the point of hour-long workouts. And I love to run when I feel like it. I love to do like you know intuitive movement. So if you ever take my class, I teach online now every week. And yeah, that it's just all about following your intuition. So that's really what my practice is. And it's much more about rituals, honoring the moon, honoring the cycles that we're in, looking at astrology, like really trying to get the bigger understanding of what all is happening in life. And that helps me not feel so like, it makes me feel small, which I want. I like to feel small in a, in a big, huge galaxy of things happening. Oh, I love it. Thank you guys for sharing all of that. Now, what is one thing you have never been asked that you really want to talk about or have wanted to be asked? This is hard given how often I <laughs> I talk for we're these so, things. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have a question? I feel like we're so open and honest and vulnerable. I mean, we're an open book. We'll answer anything. But yeah, I feel like we sh- we're so- we share. I mean, there's everything. probably a bunch of things that I've never been asked, but none of them are things that I think are really that important or relevant to talk about. <laughs> like people always ask questions about what jail was like and things like that. But I feel like I, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything. Do you? Have? 
I know. I think I need to do another whole podcast to just talk about your experience in jail and all of that stuff. Like, I mean, how long have we got? Seriously. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, jail is a, it's an experience for sure. How long were you in jail for? I got a year. I did four months in an actual, like what you would consider a jail normally down here in LA uh, downtown. And then I got eight more months in like a, a private jail where I would like, I was allowed to go to work during the day and then I had to come back to jail at night. So a year total, but four months of that in like the classic jail. And was this, what was this for? What did you go to jail for? A lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. Dealing or? Dealing, yeah. I mean, I was also using all of them, but I went to jail for the for possession and dealing. Oh gosh, I feel like I want to have a whole nother episode just talking about that with you. <laughs> we can. It's fascinating. It's, it's a fun, this guy, it's a fun story. This guy is so inspiring. Yeah, I know. I know. And both of you are. Both of you are. You're so inspiring. And you have the same age gap between Nick and I. So Nick is eight years older than me as well. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's so funny. I wonder if there's like that average of how long, how much longer it takes men to mature. <laughs> like we can, we can do a whole, a whole one on that. Totally. Yeah, I think so. I, I know it's, it's definitely the case. And he always says like he had to have a practice marriage before he was ready for me. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I didn't get the opportunity to do that. That's why I almost fucked this one up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's all growth. It's all growth. Guys, you have shared so much. Before we go, is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything else you wanted to talk about that I didn't get to ask you? I think I just want to really drive home that there is no perfect, that the people that you idolize struggle so hard, just like anyone else. And just to be a little bit easier on ourselves during this time, but also always, take the pressure off in as many ways as you can and let that be the practice because you only live once. We only, as far as we know, this is it. So the relationships that are in your life, the people who have been sent to be by your side, the mirrors, the lessons, really be kinder to yourself and just release some of that pressure. I love that. Yeah, I like to never worry about being perfect. And another one is also that I've been talking a lot about recently is let's get out of this mindset that we're ever stuck. Like right now, a lot of us feel like we're stuck physically in a space. Like a scarcity mindset. It's a scarcity mindset, but also there's nothing. Nothing is actually stagnant. Nothing is actually stuck and standing in the same place at all in the universe. Not inside your body, not around you. It might look to you like it's standing, but things are either kind of moving forward, moving backwards or sliding sideways. And when you think when you start realizing that about yourself, you realize that the stuff we're talking about, the self-care and the work, etc., they're not really optional. Because if you don't do them, you don't stay where you are right now. You will slowly slide back to a place you don't like and then you'll have to start doing the work. Or even stagnancy though. Stagnancy is the worst feeling in the world and you don't want to be there either. So grow, grow, grow. One of my mentors said to me years ago, Melissa, if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. And it, exactly. It's like a plant, you know, coming back to the nature analogy again, it's like, if it's not growing, it's a dead. And it's really important that we nurture ourselves, our relationship with ourselves and all of our other relationships and do the work. Guys, this is amazing. You give so much. You are of service in so many ways to people through books, 
podcasts, programs, both your social media platforms, you are giving and you're of service to people. And I'm a big believer in service. I feel like our purpose here in life is to be of service to other people. So how can I and the listeners give back to you? How can we serve you today? For me, it's just share the message. It's just about if you know somebody who's struggling with some of these issues that we've talked about, maybe it's you, maybe it's your partner, maybe it's somebody close to you. Don't just take the lessons for yourself. Let's share. Let's reduce judgment for everybody else. And let's make everybody understand that we're here for their journey and we're here to support. Beautiful. I love that. Adi and Sophie Jaffe, you guys are just so beautiful. I am so grateful to have you in my life and to have been able to come to your house in LA and do our episode where you interviewed Nick and I, which we'll also link to in the show notes. I'm so grateful to have you guys in our life and and you guys are a couple that we admire and we respect and we love and we get motivated by. You know, you guys are such a big inspiration to us. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing so openly and honestly. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much, Melissa. We love you guys and feel the same about you guys. See you soon in the flesh. Yes, can't wait. Bye, love. Bye. I loved this conversation. I hope you got so much out of it. I am just so grateful for their honesty, their transparency, and for sharing so openly and from their heart. I think we all could learn so much from these guys. And I don't know about you, but I just got so much out of it. I truly did. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. Don't forget to email me a screenshot of your review to hello at Melissa Ambrosini. And as a thank you, I want to send you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them all. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 299. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And I need to tell you about my Friday love note newsletter that I send out every week. Now, this is like an MA insider personal email from me, which is information that I don't share anywhere else. So it's usually filled with a personal story from something that I'm going through that week and five things that I'm currently loving and using. So these are really personal emails that you get when you sign up at melissaambrosini.com. So if you want to become an MA insider and get all the juicy information on what's going on in my life personally, and things that I'm just currently loving, it is the most up-to-date and juicy information that you can get. So head to melissaambrosini.com and sign up to my newsletter. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. 
And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.